Welcome to our fall book study. All righty. Oh, my screen is still on. This is a very good start. <laughs> All right. So for the next three Tuesdays, we'll be looking at saints, sufferers, and sinners. And as the subtitle says, loving others as God loves us. So this is the introduction. I'm going to... Uh, and here's our overriding diagram for the next three Tuesdays. We are saints who suffer, and we are saints who sin. We are saints, we are sufferers, and we are sinners. These categories are not equal. We are saints who suffer and saints who sin, but we are always saints, nonetheless. <coughs> so this book is about conversations. It's about how we talk to each other. If we are to love others as God loves us, then we need to see others as God sees us. This will change how we talk with each other. It'll change our conversations. So when I talk about conversations, these conversations are <coughs> normal. It's the few minutes that you exchanged with each other before we sat down. These might be longer conversations, coffee, walk the dog, going to work out together. They're conversations in the car with the people who know you the best. These conversations also include prayer requests. They're the things that we ask for prayer for and that our friends ask for prayer for. So this book is about conversations with others who, just like us, are saints. Saints who suffer and saints who sin. Um, so let's begin with saint. So when we think about a saint, I want you to think about yourself personally. Uh, what, how, when you think about yourself, how do you think about your past? What stands out to you? When you consider your future, what are your assumptions about yourself? When you tell your story, what do you emphasize? What do you tend to leave out? And do, and, and those ideas about yourself, do they connect in a daily way to the risen Christ? So now, let's consider our friends as saints. When we hear a friend speaking with us, what do we hear? What stands out? What seems important? What are we assuming? What questions do we ask? What questions do not really occur to us? When we think about, when I think about myself as a saint, we're talking about this category of identity. When we think about our friend, again, this category of identity. So we're gonna look at our, our identity as saints and how that connects to our everyday conversations. So, that is saint. And that'll be our big category for this evening. In the category of sufferer, sin comes into the world in two ways, expresses itself in two ways. So, sin is the big umbrella, I'm sorry, Suffering is the big umbrella of hardships and sorrows. We are sufferers. We're going to talk about ourselves and our friends as sufferers next week. And then finally, how do we deal with the evil that, is, that comes out from inside of us? The ways in which we live with this tension of wanting to do right, and at the same time, we find that hard to achieve. So as sinners, how do we change? And we'll cover that in the third week. In light of God's redemptive mercies. Now, here's just a quick note about complexity. 
Mike Emlett's book is very helpful in that he covers these one at a time. Saints first, then sufferers, then sinners. But of course, these categories are not really that distinct. As you know, life is not quite so simple. We are all mix of all three. But saint, suffer, and sinner are distinct ways of thinking about ourselves and our friends in a conversation. And that gives us these helpful hooks to hang things on, helps us know where we are in the conversation. We might, rather than thinking of it as hooks on a wall, maybe thinking of it as a coat rack, a coat tree, where they're really all tied together. All right, now that is the end of the introduction. So we are on to the saints portion of tonight's conversation, which is about a third of the book. So God is personal. We've probably all heard that our identity is in Christ. What does that mean, that your identity is in Christ? For this evening, I want to start this evening looking at the distinction between creature and creator. If we want to know who we are, we start with who God is, because we are created. Everything created has a creator. And as you know, everything created has the creator. Our creator is God. He tells us that we are made in his image and likeness, and so what is he like? <clears throat> well, God is personal. If you look at your handout, you'll see handout number one, God is personal. Just going through the verses, the first one, John 17, 5, what we want to look at is, well, we'll go through this and then I'll give you some takeaways. So before God made the world, I'm just reading right off the page. Before God made the world, Jesus and the Father had a conversation. We learned that they shared a glorious existence. John 17, 24. We learned that the Father loved the Son. The love among the Trinity had no beginning. We see in John 17, 24, the underlying part, because you love me, Jesus is giving a reasoning behind this, uh, the, the reason that he's come and that he's done what he has done. Uh, let's see, John 1, 1 to 2, we learn that Jesus, the word of God, was already with God when he began to create the universe. Jesus, God, is the God who is with, he is present. He was with God. Uh, the Word was with God, and the Word was God in the very beginning. And then the last verse that I've given you, John 1, 3. We learn that God made absolutely everything that exists. He is the most fundamental basis of absolutely everything. Everything that was made was made through Him. So the takeaway that I want you to see from this is that God is personal. In that, we see a conversation, we see a loving relationship, presence together. To be personal is knowing, thinking, speaking, planning. So God is personal. Sometimes contrasts are helpful. If you believe that the basis of all that exists is matter and energy, are matter and energy personal? Um, obviously not. Matter and energy are created. They are not the basis of all that exists. God made everything. God is the basis of all that exists. He is personal. Which brings us to our next point. Our identity is essentially relational. 
So going down that page, uh, by, relate, by essential, it's necessary at its core. So where do we see in scripture that our identity is essentially relational to God himself? Genesis 17. God always intended a reciprocal relationship with his people. The underlying part, to be God to you and I will be their God. In Leviticus 26, you see that the relationship is reciprocal. There's this physical with presence. There's a belonging between them. It's mutual. It says in Leviticus 26, I will walk among you. I will be your God. You will be my people. I am the Lord your God. Ezekiel 36, the worst of times, the exile in Babylon. The Lord gives them a new heart. He says, I'll put my spirit within you. You will be my people. I will be your God. There's this mutual back and forth relationship. Uh, Matthew 1, when Jesus comes, is born human, uh, he is God with us. His name means God with us. And uh, he will save his people from their sin. Matthew 28, Jesus' final conversation with his disciples, and he had us in mind, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Colossians 3, Christ is your life. Christ is our life right now. And Christ will be our life when we appear with him in glory. And then finally, Revelation 21. God fulfills. He brings this reciprocal relationship with his people all the way to its uh, ultimate. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. He himself will be with them as their God. The, the name of the new heaven, the new earth city is the Lord is there. That's the name of the city. So, our identity is essentially relational. Those are the two big things I want you to take away from this evening. So, God is personal. He made us in his own image. Our identity is essentially relational, meaning we are defined by our connection to God himself. God is personal. He made us in his image. Our identity is essentially relational. We are defined by our connection to God himself. All right. So we, have, we are on to the application part of the, this evening. Loving others as saints. So what I want to look at first is what does saintness look like in your conversations? What does it look like to be a saint of a God who is personal, whose identity is essentially relational, connected first, defined first by our connection to God? And what does it look like to talk to another person, my friend, whose identity is in God, who is personal, and whose identity is essentially relational? What difference does it make that God is personal? What difference does it make that our identity is essentially relational? So the question that I'm asking here is, in a conversation, what, should, what, what might stand out to us first? So find application one on your page. It is on page three. So our application one is going to be, first we belong, then we battle with help. So here's what we're going to do. 
I want you to do this. In that little space that you have under number one, I want you to draw uh, just a, a basic little T-chart with a one and a two over each column. There's not a whole lot else that you're going to do in that little space, so you can just take all that if you want. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read a brief story to you. And I'm, this is a, okay. I'm asking you to jot down what stands out to you. I'll read it twice. The first time under column one, the second time under column number two. So I'll read it once, and then we'll talk together about what it is to be a saint. And then I'll read the same story and have you jot down your takeaways under the second column. Does that make sense? Okay. This is an individual exercise. All right. This is, a, this, this is your friend Kira. All right. As you came in tonight, as you were walking in, Kira's here, whoever she is. Make believe Kira. She mentioned how she's doing. You're her listening friend. You're having a normal conversation. What do you hear? How do you see Kira? What stands out to you about her? What are you listening for? Okay, as I read, please jot things down under your number one part. You and Kira have been friends for about three years. You met in small group. She has a helpful so social media platform. You are often encouraged by her insights. You have a lot of respect for her consistent desire and messaging to honor Christ in her posts. Before you sat down tonight, Kira mentioned that when her husband travels, she tends to be online more hours than she knows she should. <clears throat> her real life seems kind of confining compared to others who get to do their online work from interesting locations. Kira's noticed recently that she feels more impatient with her young children, and she can't seem to get her head around how to be kind more consistently. She's asked God for help. She actually seems to be growing more impatient, not less. Kira knows that God is long-suffering, but she kind of, she finds herself imagining that he's just impatient with her. And she's starting to feel discouraged because she can't seem to get this moving in the right direction. So if you were talking to Kira, what stood out to you? What did you hear? What were you listening for? What got your attention? What might you focus on first in your conversation? So I'll give you a sec if you want to write anything else down. All right, so what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn to page three. You're already there, probably. The first Corinthians passage, uh, chapter one, verses one through nine. And what I want to do is just go one verse at a time. Um, we'll go a verse at a time, and I want you to pull out for me what you think are characteristics that would lead us to grow our idea of what it is to be a saint. Where does God, in these nine verses, refer to anything kind of saint-related that could come, which doesn't, and we won't immediately apply it to Kira, but when we read the story again, we will. All right, verse one, anything in there jump out to you as being saint-related? Paul. Paul, very good, all righty. So Paul's speaking of himself, and he's saying that he is called by God. Very good. Anything else in verse one? Of Christ Jesus. Okay, excellent. Very good. All right. So let's see. I did just write down the exact words, but I was trying to sort of reword it a little bit. Um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with belongs to Christ. And if you have a different way you want to phrase it, we'll probably hit that again so you can tell me <laughs> what, yeah, how you want to phrase it. 
um, anything else in verse 1? The family relationship. He refers to another saint as a brother. Ah, very good. All right, all right. And a family, in God's family. Is that what you mean? Mm-hmm. Very good. Excellent. Okay, Sharon. All right, good. Anything else in verse 1? All right, verse 2. What do you find that's saint-related? Church of God. Okay, very good. Um, part of God's church. What else? Called to be saints. Called. Very good. Called. Saints. All right. Good. What else? Just like Paul. Paul. Very good. Sanctified. Sanctified. Very good. In this version of, you know, sanctified means at least two different things. In this version of sanctified, it's the, um, it's the set apart, the chosen. Uh, so I'm going to go, I'm going to say chosen by God. Versus the kind of sanctified, which is the progressive maturity. But Paul definitely hits that later in Corinthians. Alrighty, good. What else? Call upon the name. That's all. Those who call upon the name of our Lord. Ah, very good. Very good. So calling on the Lord. Excellent. Very good. Okay. Anything else in verse 2? There's the family aspect again. Because we're calling on the Lord together with others. Oh, okay. Yeah, the together with others. So, very good. So, our lives are bigger than our individual lives. We live embedded in a family, in a church. Very good. Anything else? And number two? Just the um, addressing of Jesus as Lord it defines our relationship to him. All right, very good. All right. Lordship of Christ. Lord. Lovely. All right, good. Verse 3. What stands out to you about that? Grace. 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 Very good. So grace, unmerited favor. Um, I hope this doesn't feel too pedestrian. I'm just going to write God likes her. Alrighty, what else? Peace. You said peace. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this peace. The word there is harmony. It's moving in a direction. I'm imagining like a river that's got tributaries coming into it. We're moving in a direction. The Lord is pulling us in a direction to himself. And that's what gives us, I mean, we're going somewhere certainly, but anyway, we're going somewhere. And our life ultimately culminates with him. So it's an ordered life, but more the idea of a river with uh, harmony, peace, direction. And I think in... um, Maybe the older I get, the more I think, uh, the more I can look back, you know, and see God's kindness to me over the years. Very good. All right. Anything else in verse 3? How about this? God calls himself Father. He could have called himself anything, but he calls himself Father. So there's this relational connection. All right. So I took... um, I took most of the rest, four through eight as, or four through seven as one chunk. Well, I took four through seven as a chunk. Oh, okay. If you're running out of gas, I can just fill the board, but if you're still with me, then we'll keep going. All right, verse four, anything here? My God. Very good, my God. 
So that sense of we are connected, we belong. Of course, he's the one who initiates and sustains. Yeah, that's from the church. Great. <coughs> sure. All right, how about five to seven? In every way we're enriched. Very good. Every way we are enriched. Enriched in particular in this phrase with speech and knowledge. So they are given specific gifts, which they all both enjoy and grow in. All right, lovely. All right, how about eight? We are sustained. Lovely. That's right. We are sustained, not in and of ourselves. The Lord does that. Very good. Sustained. And uh, nine? What do you see in nine? Someone back here was saying guiltless. Ah, guiltless. Very good. Okay. All the way to the end. Fellowship. Ah, look at that. Fellowship. Very good. Fellowship with who? Whom? Jesus. That's right. All right. I didn't actually plan this, but it did turn out this way. That God is personal. <laughs> and our identity is essentially relational. I'm like, hey, how'd that get there? <laughs> All right, there we go. That's the so there's some there's some saint material as you think about and hear her story. Some takeaways. Paul refers to the Corinthians as those sanctified. And he says it a number of different ways, a number of different times, that we belong, that we belong to the Lord. Um, sanctification is certainly something that we participate in. So there are two kinds. We belong and then we participate. So that's where I came up with we belong and we battle with help. They're both tied off that word sanctification. Now, sometimes when we battle, we win, and sometimes we fail, sometimes we lose, but we always belong. Similar to, we are whole persons. We are always a saint. Sometimes we're a saint who suffers, sometimes we're a saint who sins, but we're always a saint, nonetheless. The biggest thing in Kira's view, the, the biggest thing about Kira is not her actions or her obedience. The most defining thing about her, the most defining thing about each of us is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how we belong to the Lord and he has given himself to us. So first we belong and then we battle with help. All right, I'm gonna read Kira's story to you again. Um, oh, but before we do that, turn to page 34, please. If you have your book. Because Mike Emlett has also given us a list, which is helpful, I think. So I thought what we could do is, uh, if you're in the back row, could you read really loud and just go right across the back row, pick one, and just keep going? So, um, Cassie, will you start with Be Zealous? Be Zealous to find evidences of God's grace in the world. Eagerly point out where they demonstrate the connection of Christ. Observe ways in which they are already living true to an identity in Christ and highlight them. 
rather than embarking on an idol or sense hunt, first embark on a grace hunt. I like the good you see. Speak about how they have blessed and encouraged you as the aroma of Christ in your life. Notice where the Spirit is at work. Thank God for them in prayer. Communicate your love for them and God's love for them. Identify the gifts of the Spirit in their lives. Remind them of their identity, excuse me, their destiny in Christ, and the faithfulness of God in that journey. Thank you very much. Lovely. All right. Here's Kira again. Now you're on column two of your little teeny chart. What stands out to you about Kira? You and Kira have been friends for about three years. You met in small group. She has a, hope, a helpful social media platform. You're often encouraged by her insights, and you have a lot of respect for her consistent desire and messaging to honor Christ in her posts. Before you sat down tonight, Kira mentioned that when her husband travels, she just tends to be online more hours than she should. Her real life seems kind of confining compared to others who can do their online work from interesting locations. Kira has noticed that she often feels impatient with her young children and really can't get her head around how to become <coughs> kind more consistently. She's asking God for help, but she actually seems to be growing more impatient, not less. Kira knows that God is long-suffering, but she imagines that his impatience toward her. She's starting to feel discouraged because she can't seem to get this moving in the right direction. You can take a minute, fill out your number, your number two little list with the ways that we're thinking maybe a little bit bigger about the saint category, and compare your two lists. So, we see Kira's struggles, those are important. We're asking first priorities. How can we see Kira first as a saint? How do we tie 1 Corinthians to Kira's sainthood? Helps us see beyond ourselves to the God to whom we belong. And it helps us be more specific in our encouragement with our friends. Now, here's an objection. You, you might, this might occur to you. Does this mean that we never speak with someone about things, areas that they need to change in their life. No, it doesn't mean that. We're asking the Lord to reorient us as we enter into this conversation. Like you, I want to love others well. We want to love others the way God loves us. So before we can help others, we need to see them first as saints. So as whole persons, we are saints. We are saints who suffer and saints who sin. But we are always saints nonetheless. We want to grow in seeing this saintness that we all share. Alrighty. Our second application is engage God relationally. Engage God relationally. So I want us to think beyond remembering our identity. We want to seek the Lord's face. So richer than remembering is engaging. Engage the Lord relationally. Now, you can only give away what you have. So here's what I mean by that. When you personally think about your story, the story within your story, what do you emphasize? Where do you get stuck? I'm asking you to apply this to yourself. Uh, I'll show you by applying it to myself. Here's what I mean. I'll, I'll tell you just a fascinating little story. <laughs> it's not that fascinating. But I want, what I'm trying to ca capture is that we all have relationships. We all talk. We all have those what have I done moments and we all experience the impact 
of those things. So here's my story. Personally, you may know that my husband and I have eight children. We are a blended family. Today, our, ch our children are all adults. I love all of my children and they are really, really good to me. I'm very grateful for that. Now, let's say hypothetically that while in a conversation with one of my kids who does not live near me, let's say I make a statement. Now, they're off put by my statement, but I don't know that. I learn about it as they're driving away. Now, I want good relationships with them. That's really important to me. And I've created a bump. My mind is racing. My thoughts are probably, why can't I just listen more and talk less? So who am I in that moment? Who am I first? Am I somebody who needs to fix what I've potentially broken? Or do I first belong to a God who is personal, a saint whose identity is essentially relational, connected to God himself? What difference does it make in that moment that I'm a saint? What difference does it make that God is personal? What difference does it make that our identity is essentially relational? This is where I want to go beyond remembering my identity. I want to seek the Lord's face personally, directly. So what I'm going to do is on this number two page, I'm just going to walk through this with my situation in mind. I'll tell you where I am. And I'm really just, sh I'm, I'm letting you in on a prayer, basically, okay? Using these verses as a jumping off place, okay? So, Genesis 17, which is the first one. Actually, I skipped that one. <laughs> so we'll go on to the next one. <laughs> Leviticus 26. All right, Leviticus 26. Lord, I belong to you, and you belong to me. Ezekiel, 20, Ezekiel 36. You have given me a new heart, and yet I still keep bringing myself into every conversation. Matthew 1. Lord, you are perfect, so I don't have to be. You have redeemed me. Colossians 3. You are my life. My life is not good relationships with my kids, as important as that is. My life is not saying the right words. You transcend my strengths. You transcend my weaknesses. You transcend my mistakes. You are my life. Revelation 21. Someday, I will not say things that I should not say. <laughs> but until then, you are with me. You are with me through all of my decades. Amen. Now, of course, that prayer is going to also include things like, would you please work a miracle in my relationships? Is there a particular way that you can help me understand my motivation, why I talk too much? Please highlight particular areas where I can change to listen. So that's what I mean by you can only give away what you have. You have to do this yourself in private if you're going to ever offer this in a conversation with a dear friend. And I, I think um, my heart would be that, uh, yes, that we would just all learn to practice this. So we'll probably do a little more of that as the weeks go on. 
Alrighty, so beyond remembering my identity, seek the Lord's face today for grace. Engage the Lord relationally. All right, that is the end of application two. We are on to application three. And this one is called, I am, there's no reason I'm changing colors. <laughs> I am thankful that you who you are. All right, I am thankful that you are. We can be thankful simply because others exist. Our thankfulness and our words can be so much richer than anything this other person could earn or could lose. We're talking about growing in our understanding of being saint forward. So imagine this. <coughs> imagine. At the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he's coming up out of the waters of baptism, and we hear the Father say, good job on those first 30 years. The next three are gonna be tougher. I guess we'll see if you're up for it. Sort of tasky, isn't it? So of course not. Father didn't say that. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So I just wanna throw out some examples to you. Let's see. And I'm realizing that since I gave you paper, I should be referring to it. So I gave you this little teeny weeny spot to make notes if you would like to do that. But of course, there's lots of paper otherwise. Yes, Dorsey. I'm thankful that you are. Is that you, God, or you? Oh, good Eddie, question. You fellow human. You fellow human. Yes. This is a verti uh, horizontal relationship. Okay. Very good. Thank you for asking that question. All righty. So here's some examples. Do we cherish those around us? Do we live out of God's love for us? God says, I love you so much, it's like embarrassing. It's so one-sided. All right. Don't you just love chubby fingers? <laughs> Cassie and I were standing decades ago, probably at the bookstore, I'm not sure, and one of my little people came running up, and she said, don't you just love chubby fingers? And I thought, I like clean fingers. <laughs> but I have grown to love chubby fingers. I, actually, their fingers are no longer chubby. My children are all grown, but I look at their hands and I hear Cassie's voice. And I think, yes, I am delighted to get to spend time with you. Even though our lives are profoundly more complicated now. So, different example, with a friend. How often do I verbalize something that might encourage her? Like, you are listening to me so patiently. To my teenager, can I say, I feel so happy when I see your name come across my phone. Can we ask God's help in growing to be thankful that they are, as our lives and relationships? get bigger. If I'm married, which I am, mm -hmm. when he does something good, do I take it as normal and not really say much? Or am I asking God, in contrast, to help me grow this idea of perfect as a really broad spectrum? Mm -hmm. All right. Can we say more than thank you? 
can we be more personal, more specific? For example, to my housemate or a family member, we could say, thank you for wiping out the sink. Or we could be more personal, more specific. And we could say, you often do things that make life better for others around you. <laughs> to a friend, we could say, thanks for getting together. Or we could say, more personal, more specific, I love that we are friends. <clears throat> so can we say more than thank you? Can we be more personal, more specific? <coughs> do we have eyes to see the good? Are we growing and being saint forward? All right, that is the end of application number three. I am thankful that you are. Tonight, let's see, I guess I have one more point. Jesus is the ultimate saint. All right, each Tuesday evening, I want to close out the topic, saints suffer sinners, and connect it to Jesus Christ, who is the founder and perfecter of our faith. So how is Jesus the ultimate saint? Let's think about the phrase, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. This phrase shows up twice in Jesus's public ministry. When John the Baptist baptizes him, he comes out of the water, we hear the Father's voice, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. At the end of his ministry, in the same week as his death and resurrection, you have the transfiguration. Bright light, voice of the Father, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. So this phrase bookends his public ministry. Now, who else is called the Son of God? You don't have to answer if you don't want to, because I'm going to tell you. <laughs> but if you want to answer it, you can take a shot at it. Who else is called the Son of God? The very first person who's called the Son of God is Adam. Right? Now, none of us think that Adam is divine. So instead, God is referring to Adam in a familial sense, as a family member, relationally, image and likeness kind of reference. God is referring to Adam, the first Adam, as his human son, the human son of God. As we all know, Adam's responsibility was to guard the garden and grow it. He should have dispatched the servant, serpent, and he should have spread the garden over the entire earth. But we did not get the kingdom of God at that point. Instead, we get the fall. But God does not stop calling people the son of God. He does not stop calling them his son. Abraham's descendants, Israel, they are called children, child, son. David's descendants, the kingly line, all get familial terms. God, as we saw here, calls himself their father. So when we hear the term son of God in reference to Jesus, we're seeing the second Adam. We're seeing God's human son. So I want you to turn to page 14 if you have a book. And halfway down the page is Galatians 4. It 
So when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Now, what sort of person, entity, being are we, are we talking about here? Well, we learn that he is born of a woman, born under the law. Who is born? Hmm? Humans. Very good. Humans are born. Lovely. Very good. That's right. So Jesus, the son, in this, care, in this part of the passage is human. He, uh, he was born of a woman, born under the law, to what? Right. Very good. And what sort of person redeems? A redeemer. A redeemer, yes. And that person is? Jesus. God. Very good. Yes. That's right. So we have Jesus as the human son of God, and we have Jesus as divine. Very good. So that those who were under the law, redeem those under the law, so that we might receive what? Adoption. Adoption is a familial term. This is a family term. Adoption is what? Sons. Sons. Very good. Again, a, a term of family of connection. And because you are? Sons. Sons. Good. So we have adoption, sons, sons. God sent the spirit of his into our hearts, crying what? Very good. Now, who is doing the crying out? The spirit of the son. The spirit. And where is the spirit crying from? That's right. He is the God who is with. And he cries. He could have named himself anything. He names himself father. And to finish it out, not a slave, but a son, a son, and an heir. So, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The father spoke of the son as a perfect human son of God. The father has made us his sons. Christ calls us his brothers and sisters. The father calls us his own children he calls himself our Father. It is this mutual, reciprocal relationship. God speaks to us of himself in our closest personal, in terms of our closest personal relationship. So Jesus is the ultimate saint, the Son of God. All right, we're at the end. So, when you think about the title of the book, Saints, Sufferers, and Sinners, we are saints who suffer, we are saints who sin, but we are always saints, nonetheless. As saints, God is personal. He has made us in his own image. Therefore, our identity is essentially relational. We are defined by our connection to God himself. Three ways that we looked at being saint forward, which is loving others as saints, which shows up in our conversations. First, we saw, first we battle, excuse me, first we belong, then we battle with help. We looked at Kira in 1 Corinthians 1, 1 to 9. Uh, next, we learn to engage God relationally. As you know, now, God is personal. Our identity is essentially relational. God invites us to live beyond remembering our identity and seek his face. We are invited to engage God relationally. Finally, we looked at chubby fingers and saying more than thank you by being personal and specific and saying, I am thankful that you are. Next week, we'll look at saints who suffer and in the last week, saints who sin. 
And let me give just a quick commercial for the book. In the book, if you look at the table of contents, you'll see that each of the sections has its own, well, section. Saints are a section. Look under chapter 7, how we love saints, everyday examples. I found the everyday examples very helpful. And also chapter 9, barriers to loving others. In some ways, this is the same content, but in, in a more negative light. Um, it can be helpful. So I just want to offer to you the everyday examples part and the barriers part. And, there, and it shows up in all three sections. So that's it.